And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Hello and welcome to the insanely misnamed Five Minute Freak. I'm Chris <laughs> Honeywell, and today we are going to be doing a roundtable discussion of the 2014 Godzilla, the Gareth Edwards Godzilla. And there are seven of us here. That's what I mean by we. You've got the Magnificent Seven. The Magnificent no. Seven. Yes, this is we're the Sakakis Seven. <laughs> <laughs> For the seven, Lewis seven. There we go. Um, so there's, of course, for the third time, me, Chris Honeywell. We've got Christopher Tyler. Yo. Gene Hendricks. Greetings all. Paul, Doctor No Spataro. I only wish I could do a Godzilla sound right now. Uh, Luke Jacinetti. Kambanwa, my fellow Daikaiju Otaku. Nerd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure, a word, yes. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> and Sean Engel. Godzilla is friend to all children. Oh, wait, that's the other one. I'm sorry. That's, that's Gamera. Everybody oh. knows that. And by everybody, I mean me. I knew it too. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, in the room with me is Mr. Scott McGregor. Or Scott 2.0, or for the purpose of this podcast, Scott McAngerus. <laughs> Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Oh, yeah. Scott McAngerus. <laughs> <laughs> Let's picture an Angerus wearing a, wearing a kilt. Guilty, uh, <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> Go commando. Not on. from the ground. No, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <clears throat> So, I think we're going to do this just like we've been doing all the round tables. We're going to do it dirty, and we're just going to go around, and everybody's going to give their five-minute their five minute assessment, and then we will discuss. And so, starting out, I think we're going with uh, the hair metal hero. Uh, all right. It's all you, baby. Oh, it's always all me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> My ego is so big. Uh uh, Godzilla 2014. Um, America finally gets a loving tribute to Godzilla and its native language, uh, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, I definitely have problems with it, which I'm sure we'll discuss. But to relaunch this character in a honorable way for an American audience. Most honorable way. Oh, most honorable. Yes. Um, We just lost the whole Asian contingent. Um, Again. Both of them. Both of them. What are you talking about? It's the most populous part of the world. That's the actual ones that listen to our show. Oh, fuck. Um, (laughs) uh, Well, I'll just, you know what? I'll go with, I'll go with what I, what what I really dug uh, 
most of all first. Uh, I love the uh, Godzilla design. I know he's been described as fat by some people on the community. He's not fat. He's just big boned. Uh, <laughs> it's a sens- big sensitive bone. area with a lot of us here at Two True Freaks, anyway. Yeah, monsters have a lot of body image issues too. And That's a story expect- waiting to happen. Monsters are such interesting people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Daffy Duck. <laughs> uh, I did. I love. I love the Godzilla design. He, uh, you know, in some light, I guess you could look at him and say, "Oh, he's kind of cute." But um, when he decides he wants to be angry, he's very angry and very intimidating. Which brings me to my next point. A lot of people were pissed that um, we didn't get a lot of Godzilla. I think what they did for this in terms of giving you the old, uh, just the tip of Godzilla for so long, definitely amped up the uh, the final you know sequence there where we get right. to see the full-on monster battle. And I think that was a smart thing to do to reintroduce this this franchise uh don't give up you know don't give up uh you know third fourth you know third base or a home run right off the bat you know you just gotta tease a little bit and uh by the time we get to that bench clearing brawl at the end uh, you know the human characters you may or may not have been invested in but by the time the monster throwdown happens during the last 20 minutes you're you're ready you're ready to see the carnage and uh i think it delivers um like i said the human story it was a human story in a Godzilla movie. I don't think it was any better or any worse than any of the other ones. They managed to throw a Kenny in, <laughs> which I chuckled at. Um, didn't really uh, sway me either way. I enjoyed it. I am always a sucker for the military against you know monsters in any capacity. Um, but I, I really dug it. Um, I think it's a great stat that um, they can definitely build upon if they so choose to, which it seems like they will. It seems they already have, actually. Yeah, greenlit the day after it dropped. I think the next one. All right, Gene Hendricks, you're up next. Okay. Well, uh, to echo what Hero said, uh, the fact that Godzilla doesn't appear until later on in the movie, brilliant. You don't want to bring that much monster in for the whole movie. You'll dilute it too much. It it worked just right. And the fact that Godzilla is the hero of the piece, I loved it. That yes. is the Godzilla I remember. You know, when when I grew up, it, my, my the first VHS tape I personally ever bought was Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. So I remember Godzilla being the hero of the piece, and this is terrific. Uh, the fact that he looks like Godzilla, big bonus. You know, unlike the uh, the other. Zilla, which we will not talk about. Uh, this one actually looks like if you translated this look to a guy in a suit, it would it would work fine. Uh, the CGI, I have no problem with it. It looked very nice. Uh, really, to sum it up, two words: atomic breath. Yeah, <laughs> amen. They put the atomic breath in, and they used it brilliantly. That was actually one part of the movie. Once the spine started to glow, going up his back, I nearly jumped out of my seat and screamed, yes. I did. <laughs> it was just, it was so great. Uh, yes, I had problems with it. Like Hero said, the human story, it's all right. Uh, there were some really good parts of it. Some parts I didn't really like, but it's a human story in a Godzilla movie. That's not why you're there. It's That's just somewhere to get to the monster fight yeah there there were some things i i wasn't all that crazy about but overall 
I thought it was a, a great start to a new franchise. Excellent. All right. So now next up, the the person that we weren't going to do this show without a, our resident Godzilla expert, Luke Giaconetti. Uh, yes, I'd also like to point out, as I have said, I, I once was cited as a Godzilla expert in an academic paper when I was in, in school. So I have that on my resume. You know, that, sure. that really always looks good. Um, I was trying that, to get more money, you know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you just got 35% more on your, your yearly salary. How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my story of how, I've, how long I've been waiting for this film dates back to... Uh, sometime in the in the mid 2000s when this film actually what would become this film had its genesis this started out as a film that was going to be an imax film called godzilla 3d to the max and it grew <laughs> and grew and grew from there uh into what we have now and so to say that i've been waiting for this film for a long time is an understatement and uh i remember being right around my uh 18th birthday and going to see godzilla 98 and how um, you know, disappointed and uh, the bile rising in my throat as I left the theater for feeling so let down from it. And that this was the exact opposite of that. This delivered pretty much on all levels that I was looking for as a, as a Godzilla fan and as a Daikaiju fan. Um, the, the monster effects I thought were fantastic. I thought uh, that Godzilla himself looked amazing. Uh, to going to uh, what Gene had said about the only thing this would that wouldn't translate to a tokusatsu style of a, of a man in a suit was his feet. Uh, the reason why Godzilla always has big feet in the old movies was you got to be able to have the guy's feet in the actual feet of the monster. Right. <laughs> but other than that, this was you. Yeah, you totally could have done this as a, as a guy in a suit. The Mutos, both the male and female Muto, I thought took advantage of using the CG wonderfully. Uh, you know, especially with some of the, you know, Ray Harryhausen, when he did the Cyclops, uh, he purposely gave the Cyclops cloven feet so that it couldn't be a guy in a suit. The Mutos work along the same way. It would be very difficult to do that as a live action effect. So it takes very good ex- uh, advantage they of the CGI. Nets or something. Yeah. They, or, or it would have been like Legion from the Heisei Gamera from the from Gamera 2 from the mid 90s, where it would have been two guys in a suit back to back like a pantomime horse. Um, <laughs> and, it, and as stupid as that sounds, it's actually pretty good. Uh, as far as the, the human story, honestly, I, I personally really enjoyed it. You know, Gareth Edwards, the only other film he directed is a little film called Monsters. And I do mean little film. It was a micro-budgeted uh, giant monster movie that he made uh, and that ended up being essentially the proof of concept for him doing this film. And like Monsters, this film focuses a lot on the human characters. And, you know, I've, I've heard some complaints that Aaron Taylor Johnson is uh, very wooden and unemotive. I think that's kind of the point. I think he's a guy that he's a very straightforward character. He doesn't have a lot of personality, you know. Uh, not everybody is someone that is uh, charismatic and uh, you know holds a room's attention. He's just a guy doing his job. I thought that for the time he was in the film, Brian Cranston was excellent. Uh, Ken Watanabe was great. My yeah. father, my father made a great point. He said that he really liked Ken Watanabe's character of Doctor Serizawa because he explained parts of the story and he spoke very slowly so everyone could understand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I, I agree with. I agree with, with both Hero and Gene saying you don't. Uh, I like the fact that, you know, we, we got teased with a lot of the monster stuff until the end when it all kind of broke loose. Uh, you know, the, the Daikaiju fanboy in me 
you know, the the ten year old me is like, come on, let's see the monsters fight. But the grown up me is saying, yeah, I see what we're doing here, and I, I appreciated that that it wasn't just a geek show. You know, that this is a movie that you can watch and has character and personality, and the the monsters have character and personality, and that carries the film. Honestly, I was I was totally uh, happy with it. As I said on my little mini review, uh, I'm excited about where we're going. I think they've set up a, a one hell of a story engine for how they're going to do the next one, and I can't wait to see where we go from here. So I'm I'm just tickled pink. It's it's funny. I'm next. I'm really glad that I'm next because um, yeah, um, you just said I see what you're doing here. That's sort of the whole thesis of my review. Is I had a lot of I see what you're doing here watching this movie and actually especially after watching this movie and thinking about it which really isn't something that you do with a Godzilla I would think that I would do with a Godzilla movie like Prometheus or something like where I go going hmm blah 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 but I ended up doing that a lot with this Godzilla movie which I think almost is more a combination like the last 20 minutes or a Godzilla movie in the first three quarters of the movie or more are a disaster, you know, a classic disaster movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I think there could be a really good argument that, that, that the tease up to the big battle at the end was too long. But then when I, and I was starting to th- feel that it was going on a little too long. But then when I start thinking about it, I start, I see what they were doing there. They were doing like a lot of the first part of the movie. You don't see anything unless one of the protagonists main characters in the movie is within eye shot of it and you see it so if you see the monsters on tv it's because there's somebody there to watch it on tv and you're getting the information through the characters which was sort of okay we're going to humanize this movie and uh, and bring it down to pr- the perspective of the humans but then you start finding the humans aren't very you know they're n- it's not that they're not well shaded, but they're not deep characters. And it starts leading you into the end where all of a sudden humans are pretty much relegated to ants. And, you know, the whole thing of the movie is, you know, we're just sort of there. <laughs> and these guys are going to do, you know, these guys are going to do their rampage. The best we can hope for is we got a pretty good idea how Godzilla operates so we can, you know, lure him in with a nuke (laughs) and lure him back out with a nuke or whatever. And if there's other monsters, he's going to go and kill them because that's what they do. So it's, it's set up, like Luke said, perfectly for other movies. Now we know how it works. We know what they feed on, what they're, we know what the monsters motivations are going to be for the most part in these and so this it's definitely setting it up for um, other movies that are probably going to be more battle heavy than than this one at which i i'm looking forward to but i i enjoyed it a lot there uh i enjoyed there were a lot of great shots where you get ideas of scale you know um godzilla going under the bridge and passing by the warships and stuff i love stuff like that and i i like a big build-up so i was i was really happy with it i'm really looking forward to to seeing it again and uh i'm a big fan of brian cranston i could have used i think the film would have benefited from more brian cranston but we can get into that later so that's my five minutes 
and I'm going to pass it on to Sean Engel. Okay. Well, overall, I thought Godzilla, the 19, or 2014 film, was just really great. I mean, there was a nice melding of the feel of a guy in a suit and the CGI nature. There was one scene specifically where you're looking down or where you're looking from street level and seeing Godzilla's foot come down. And it looks very similar to you know what you'd see in the old uh, Godzilla films of it being a guy in a suit. I like that. Uh, the monster fight scenes were good. And li- like I said, having them filmed from the human POV was a nice touch. It gives it a real sense of majesty, a real sense of scale that you're looking up at these giant things towering over you. And the, the scale of the monsters really worked. Um, it was nice to see the uh, Cloverfield monsters get sort of an unofficial sequel. I kind of was happy about that, even though I could care less about Cloverfield. How did you know they were the Cloverfield monsters? Oh, they looked they exactly looked like the same. The little hooked legs and things. Yeah, you know, why not? Um, I liked Brian Cranston as Fox Mulder. He did a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I will have to say that Aaron Taylor Johnson, who played the main protagonist, I agree with you. He probably wasn't supposed to be much of a, you know, much of a fleshed out character. He was just basically Channing Tatum him up the whole film. <laughs> that makes any sense. Plus Elizabeth Olsen, who I think, uh, you know, was a better actor than she could have been in this film, should have had a much bigger role. Uh, her being a nurse and her being associated with trying to evacuate people in this could have been delved into a lot further. It was a convenient story element. They might as well have used it to some sort of dramatic impact, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Of course, Ken Watanabe was perfect. And I know you mentioned this in your coverage of the show, Luke, on on Earth Destruction Directive, that his name, Sarazawa, was a nice callback to the original Godzilla or the Mm -hmm. original Gojira. So that's that's great. I, I, I love that they did that. Um People who came into this movie thinking it was going to be like Pacific Rim were probably going to be disappointed. It's not an action smash em up type movie. It's a very different. It's it is more humanized, but I think the fact that the human characters aren't well, not necessarily aren't that they're they're not as interesting as they possibly could be. That this is more human story. It it it, it sort of lacks from what you'd get from Pacific Rim. But they're two, they're two entirely different movies, so I'm fine with that. I did have a problem because this is supposed to be an original Godzilla movie and you're supposed to sort of get the idea that Godzilla is a force of nature, an destructive force, that he was sort of the hero of the film. I could see that in later edition, in later movies where he's here to sort of defend Earth, but in this movie it kind of felt... I would have liked to have seen, you know, them trying to back Godzilla off and not Godzilla have to be the hero the first time out. But uh, other than that, I didn't mind. That ends my notes. I would like to beg the people uh, for just a few moments if I could uh, talk about something that kind of uh, kind of is dear and dear to my heart uh, about the movie going experience, if nobody minds. Oh, go right ahead. Okay. Go I, I've actually scripted something out here. I've... Oh, Jesus, we're in trouble. 16 stained <laughs> fingers. <clears throat> Dear listeners, I would like to address a problem I've encountered at many a movie theater, and that is the inability of some patrons to distinguish the difference between watching a film in a movie theater and watching a film at home. Let me elucidate some of my finer points by making this determination. 
Did you leave one location and come to another to watch a movie? Usually by means of transportation other than your hover round? Jesus. Were you required to pay a fee to watch this movie? <laughs> Is the place where you're watching this movie significantly cleaner than the ramshackle hubble that you were transporting? <laughs> Was there a concession stand outside of the area where you're watching the movie staffed by people who aren't members of your immediate family? When you sat down to watch the movie, did you notice that there were dozens, maybe even hundreds of similar seats that held holders for drinks and sometimes up to a 60 foot tall screen in front of you? Which not only shows the movie, but previews for other movies projected on it. If any or all of these things are the case, then you are in a movie theater, not your home. And therefore, you should shut the fuck up. I know that when you aren't spending your hard-earned money on chemicals to make crystal meth, you're maxing out every credit card that you have to give your $8,000 trailer home an awesome theater system, but this is a different experience. While in a theater, there is a level of decorum that you are expected to follow, and that does not include pointing out obvious things that just happen on screen, noisily pointing out other roles that certain actor on screen has been in, or yammering on about the discomfort of your prolapsed anus due to your brother-cousin's attempts at foregoing the birth of another window-licking hydrocephalic offspring of yours. Customers pay a price to come watch, and in the case of movies like Godzilla, experience the thrill of a spectacle the likes which they cannot hope to see except in this venue. And when you fail to follow the simple task of remaining quiet throughout the movie, you have failed at life. Now, don't take me out of context. There is something on the if there is something on the film that shocks you, amuses you, or excites you, feel free to react in whatever way is deemed appropriate. Otherwise, unless your name is Michael J. Nelson, Joel Hodgson, Trace Ballou, Kevin Murphy, or Bill Corbett, no one wants to hear your commentary during this or any other film. And if you feel the need to do so, please douse yourself in a flammable fluid and light yourself on fire. Thank you. I yield the floor. I just want to want to. What else Amen. can you say? Sean, I, I want to apologize for my I behavior during that. the movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I swear to God, the, the, every time. I go to and I went to see Godzilla at at an actual IMAX. It's got the sixty foot screen. It's got beautiful pictures. Got amazing sound. They they built an IMAX theater. They didn't just revamp some theater and put in a larger than normal screen. This is a true IMAX theater. I paid a premium price to go to this theater. So did and they? I, and so did they. <laughs> and when I sat down there, I sat down. <laughs> with two ladies behind me just yammering on throughout the entire film. I cannot... Did you politely I, turn around and throw your drink on them? I <laughs> I considered doing that, but because these two ladies were elderly, Some of your and by elderly I say like maybe in their late 60s, early 70s, I thought it not to not be a proper thing to do. In but, other words, they should have known better. They should have known better, definitely. But the thing is, I think the good thing that I can take about this is, chances are, they won't be long for this earth. And <laughs> that makes me happy. You see, you see how politely Sean handled that. You can tell he's from he's from Oklahoma. Well, I, you, know. you know, whereas whereas Paul, I think you'll back me up on this. In New York, the proper response is, "Hey, cram it, lady." I uh, no no, no. <laughs> hey, cram it, grandma. 
Right. <laughs> See, I only wish you were with me, Paul, because I would have loved you, because I'm certain you would have turned around and said that to them. And they probably would have been, what? I don't understand what he's talking about, because they are <laughs> stupid, idiotic morons. Shut up when you're, there's decorum when you're in a theater, you're with a group of people to enjoy something. If the mood strikes, if there's something that goes on on the screen that is amazing and that you want to cheer about it, and the rest of the crowd feels the same way, go ahead. But if you're talking about shit, shut the hell up and get out. The thing I'm amazed by is that people do not have an ability ability to modulate their sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're speaking to the person next to you. Speak yeah. at a volume where only they can hear you. It's possible. <laughs> exactly. I can. You know, I, I've had uh, I've had conversations when I've gone with my wife or my kids to the movie, and they've asked me a question, and I say, Shh, and I'll I'll quietly tell them the answer. Chances are no one other than my daughter or my wife could hear me. So these people do not understand how to do this, and it bugs the living hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree with you 100%. Okay, well, I'm, uh, you know well, what? They, we'll might, increase, they might understand. They might just choose not to, which makes them even Well, then they need to choose to stop you know, wasting my oxygen. Then they might understand a knuckle sandwich. Mm. <laughs> All I know I, is whenever I, I hear the word prolapsed, I know the word anus is coming next. <laughs> 100% of the time. I'm, I'm sorry I had to go off on a rant on that, but the, no, it just I'm, bugged me. There were two. I, I see a pretty good therapist, Sean, if you'd like me to get her number for you. <laughs> you know, just uh, put yeah, it in the Skype window. Anxiety meds. Yeah. <laughs> put it, Put it in the Skype window. I think I'm going to drop the mic and go get some coffee. I'll be- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need more coffee. Yeah, I need more coffee. I'll be right back. Yeah, you need drugs. <laughs> All right, McIngers. McIngers? <laughs> I won't even try to do the McIngers. Yeah, me either. I shouldn't. I'm, you know, I'm an American Scottish, whatever the hell that is. Anywho, Godzilla. Yeah. Um, loved it. I mean, totally loved it. It satisfied... Uh, Pretty much everything I was looking for in a Godzilla movie. Um, it was. It just amazes me as I don't want to say immature, as inexperienced a director as uh, Edwards is. He doesn't. It doesn't look that way. I mean, the uh, the quality between you know monsters and Godzilla isn't that far of a jump. I mean, he's obviously got a real talent for the visual part of all this and. Uh, no problem with the uh, the slow build-up and everything. I mean, this movie was a love letter to a lot of different kinds of movies. It was a love letter to the old Toho movies, the old classic Godzilla movies. Um, it was a total love letter to Steven Spielberg. This was almost like, God, you know, if there were just a couple more y- younger children in it, this would have been Godzilla done by Spielberg. Um, because, I mean, it was Jaws, for one thing. It was just the slow build to see the monster at the end. You even had the fin cutting through the water so many times. The lead character's name was Brody. Hello. You don't have to be a you know, nuclear physicist to figure that one out. Um, so I loved it, and I said I love the slow build and the perspective of seeing stuff. At, uh, I mean, it was even kind of a little shout-out to Cloverfield, whatever you feel about that movie. Um, I think you have to give it the respect and that it was an adequate, you know, try to update the monster movie genre, you know, for the 21st century. I, I, I enjoyed it except for, you know, the insatiable um, shaky cam for the most part. Uh, this was kind of clover field without the uh, massive shaky cam. But the mutos were great and uh, just the aspects of 
they all did look like they could be, you know, man in suit type things. Especially the one scene where the Muto um, flies past the uh, skyscraper window, just you know, just screamed Rodan to me, and it just looked so much like those old, you know, flying scenes where you would see the odd wire here and stuff, you know, in the camera holding up Rodan. Um, so yeah, I just went uh, my nerdgasms, you know were many and, and frequent and, uh, and intense during the whole movie. Uh, particularly the end scene, they did the uh, the fire breath. Just, I didn't see the last one coming. When they did the uh, whole, you know, little tribute to King Kong and him starting to rip the jaws apart, I really didn't see that he was going to literally puke radioactive fire <laughs> down his throat and rip his head off. That was the most epic monster kill I've ever seen in my life. It was like monster kill over the week. Um, the actors, I mean, the human story was as much as it needed to be for a Godzilla movie. We're not there to see the humans. No big surprise. Um, that said, would have loved to have seen, I don't know why you, there's got to be a ton of the human story on the cutting room floor because you don't hire actors like Brian Cranston and Julia Binoche, who was in the movie all of 30 seconds. And, um... You know, there's, there's got to be a lot more character development that we didn't get to see, which is a little bit of a shame, but, I mean, uh, I'm not going to complain too much. Um, always up for more Godzilla. But uh, I love the universe that they've built with it and the callback to the night, you know, basically the first Godzilla movie kind of happened, you know, because, and that's where the nuclear test came in. I thought that was a great, you know, a great plot point. Uh, B was awesome. All the actors. I mean, I really even Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, he was a little wooden. He did. Well, he just was there to basically move the narrative along and give you a point of view character. Uh, but I thought they really sold the relationship between him and his wife. I felt some definite chemistry there to the point where it's going to be uncomfortable to see them as siblings in uh, Avengers Two. <laughs> but um, the only thing I don't buy about that relationship is he would have banged his wife. The second he got back in that door, he's not taken back off to San Francisco first, sorry, but if I just came home from a tour in Iraq, uh, yeah, sorry, world, dad's going to have to wait in jail for a couple of hours. <laughs> I think we all would have banged it. We all would have <laughs> yeah. taken, taken out our frustration on uh, of our uh, two oldest sisters on her. <laughs> I didn't say that. But, uh, I thought the score was great. Um did miss the old uh, old Godzilla theme a little bit, but it was it was close enough without you know being an obvious copy. It definitely had the same somber you know uh, resonance to it. Um, I was a little upset. I think it was maybe Eugene that said, or maybe Sean that said they were a little upset that Godzilla was the hero and not the you know main villain kind of. But, I mean, there were some aspects of that, too. And I was actually a little taken aback at the end of the movie where they had the news footage and everyone's like, cheering, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, saved us. And I, I love that. <laughs> well, I got to thinking, it's like, well, did we just forget about the tsunami that he caused that probably wiped out, like, 10,000 people? Well, billions and <laughs> about billions 30 and minutes billions ago. of dollars in damage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess they're looking at it, you know. And infrastructure. That uh, things would have been much worse if, you know, the Mutos had been able to tear ass around San Francisco as much as they wanted. But, uh, yeah, Godzilla caused a, a touch of a Man of Steel a, levels of collateral damage himself, I think. I think. A, well, I think it's a plausible headline these days. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It could possibly happen. 
Oh, yeah, that would have gotten totally swept under. You know, oh, 10,000 people dead? Fuck that. We've got a big monster that just saved us. So, yeah. But nitpicks like that is the only problem I have uh, with this movie. The designs were great. Um, CGI didn't look too much like CGI. Uh, You got to compare it to some of the more contemporary, you know, if you got to compare this to Pacific Rim, I see Pacific Rim as, which I loved, um, the characters in Pacific Rim were even more one-dimensional than the ones in Godzilla. I don't think any of us would really argue that. That's <laughs> what they were meant to be in that movie. They were like cartoony. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, that's they were, like they were meant Pacific to be Rim was a big, loud, heavy metal rock concert. Godzilla was a slower, symphonic build to a musical crescendo. And it was, uh, loved them both, but I'm of the mind of we don't need a Pacific Rim 2 anymore. I just want to see more Godzilla movies at this I'd, point. <laughs> I'd agree with that, actually, yeah. yeah. And I guess that's about it. But we'll All get right. into more stuff later. All right. So, man, I'm just surfing right now on the wave of positivity. <laughs> yeah. So, Paul Spataro. That wave is about to crash into the sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think it's so much that I'm Dr. No. I think I'm just Dr. Opposite. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like when everybody hates it, I love it. And when everybody loves it, I hate it. I don't know. Uh Hate and hate is too strong of a word, but I was I walked out of the movie theater extremely disappointed in this movie, and I accept what all of you have said about the fact that it's a slow burn. You don't want to show the monster too quick. You want to get people up and get them excited to see the monster, and then finally have the big reveal. That all makes total sense to me, especially in a Jaws-type capacity. But I think it's almost an insult to mention this movie in the same breath as Jaws. Because Jaws is an all-time great film. This is just, this just not. I'm sorry. Uh, every one of you seems to be willing to accept a bad human story and bad acting on the part of the main actor... Uh, because you were happy with the monster story. And, you know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I don't belittle anybody for that. But for me to enjoy this movie, if you're going to spend 75 to 80% of it on the human story, the human story's got to be good, and the human actor has to be good. And I didn't think it was at all in this movie. Uh, I, I thought the monster scenes were awesome, but there were all too little of them. When we finally got to the big reveal, uh, I... I thought the, bat- the battle should have been even more epic than it was, and longer. Um, although the blowing off the head was possibly one of the most awesome scenes I've ever seen. I'll, I will give that. <laughs> well, uh, well, that's worth something, I guess. Oh, no. I, it, you know what? I didn't walk out hating everything about it. But right. you know what? There were points in this movie where I was actually starting to say, my God, I'll fall asleep soon if, this, if they don't do something. Uh, I... I just I was looking, I walked in there, and I wanted to be turned into a 10-year-old watching uh, Monsters Week on the 430 movie all over again, and I was not. This movie didn't capture my imagination that way. Uh, it just, overall, I just found it to be a big disappointment. And uh, I apologize to, the, to those of you who feel differently. Uh, I don't mean to, like I said, I don't mean to ever belittle anybody else's opinion. Everybody's entitled to like what they like. Oh, we'll be okay, man. We'll, we'll live. Yeah. I'm you know, sure. You have, you, you have some very valid points. You know, it, it, you would like a movie of this scope and this grandeur to have a decent 
human interest story because essentially the first Godzilla movie was a a human interest story. It was a it was a referendum on the uh, the the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. If I'm if I'm right, Luke, is that yeah yeah? Close? And, but it's oh you know, yes. The I mean essentially you know they couldn't make a movie about the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, so they they made a giant monster to stand in for the bomb. They veiled but, it, yeah. But the thing about I mean the the thing about Gojira, okay, is that yes, the human story of uh, the love triangle between uh, Dr. Serizawa, Emiko, and Ogata drives that that movie, okay? And Gojira himself is, is only in the film for a relatively short amount of time compared to the human story. But to say that, you know, uh, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, but, you know, and Dr. Serizawa is a very tortured character, gets a lot of overacting melodrama from uh, Akihiko Hirata. But to say that, that it's a, you know, a cla- all-time classic of Japanese cinema from an acting standpoint is an overstatement. So it, in, in that sense, it's, it's a story that is, you know, it's, it exists at a certain level and it drives a story and it had now the original one had more of a, a timely feel to it and had more going for it from a allegorical standpoint but to me it was very i mean to me it was similar to this i mean i'm not expecting uh you know uh, olivier or heston level of acting I'm, I'm just not that's not the character that taylor johnson was playing he was playing a guy who he's got you know he's had kind of a, a lousy life before this point he's got a little bit of something good going on with his super smoking hot wife and he's got a, a kid at home and he's got a job that he's good at but ultimately his he's a, guy, a very low-key kind of guy he's whereas Brian General Cranston, military grunt number four basically. yeah you know I mean that's his purpose in the in the narrative yeah so Cran- I mean Cranston, you know, I'm sorry go ahead I was going to say, Cranston was great, and, and I honestly thought that killing him off when they did was, was incredibly daring, because the way this movie was marketed is that Brian Cranston was the main character, and I remember sitting in the theater watching the opening credits, and Cranston was way down on the opening credits crawl, and I'm thinking, something's up Uh-oh. with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thumbs up with that, and then when they they zip that body bag on my, I mean, I was like, I was I was a little bit taken aback oh. in the theater, thinking, wow, they actually did it. I, and and it changes the dynamic because oh yeah yeah I mean I'm um um I I I forget who said it I think it might have been uh, Scott you might have said that the act the chemistry between um, Taylor Johnson and uh, Olson as far as uh, husband and wife I thought the chemistry between uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Cranston as father and son was fabulous to yeah, watch yeah you know the well, two of them together when they're in his his well, apartment. When, in, in Japan, yeah, you know. when they're together, when they're together, and when he's even when he's separate from him, and he's just like, oh Jesus, it's my dad again. Yeah. I got to go bail him out again. It started getting really. It was they they were really interesting, and and to clarify, I don't think a lot like, um, I didn't think the acting was bad in it, but I think compared to Cranston. Everybody else sort of looks wooden, and it's back to the I see what you did here. And this is why I think, like, I understand every complaint Paul had with the movie because, but I think all those things were conscious efforts by the director because you got Cranston early on, and his character's interesting, he's passionate, he's got like an intense story of him losing his wife right in front of his eyes. You know, because of just a couple seconds, uh, he he was the only human character, right? Who I found even remotely interesting, in right? The movie. And 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 I think they killed him mm. off purposely to say, 
well, from this point on, we don't want... It's it, Maybe they're not saying this to the audience, but they were thinking, from this point on, we don't want them focusing too much on the human aspect of this. We want, I think they were backing off the humans from it to them being just in... in you know, ants underfoot, you know. But again, if, if you're going to dedicate as much of the movie to the human characters as you do, I don't think they should be treated with such blatant disregard. Even yeah. even Watanabe, who I, I will concede is a good actor, uh, I thought he served as Professor Exposition for the movie. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't yeah. think he had any other role. That's that, But that's a definite role in a Godzilla movie a lot of times. That's like, yeah, and, and, and it's, it's a necessary it. role. I, yeah. I think you know you you really need somebody to explain what's going on because otherwise you'd have to have a ten hour movie in order to show how the uh, the army gets to whatever conclusion it gets to <laughs> and how they they go to whatever they're doing and why is it that they have this bomb train and they don't have anybody who's ready to who who knows how to work the equipment and luckily they just happen to run into uh, our star who just happens to be trained in that. Well, I mean, they, oh, I mean, mean, they're, they're he basically stupid. had to beg himself onto the squad. I mean... Because yeah. he's the only one who knows how to work the equipment, though. Well, you're, I mean, you're, you're questioning why the military is inefficient? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think, I don't think <laughs> there's going to be a such thing as a bomb train without somebody who knows how to work the equipment. Well, this was, try, you know, this was going for the more serious... This is definitely not a 10-year-old's Godzilla movie. But at the same time... You have to give up on, I mean, basically the human story of this and the whole um, manner of telling the story through the human eyes through three quarters of the movie really depends on a lot of coincidence happening. Now, they chose characters who were related to it, but when, you know, when his wife and him have both gotten FaceTime with the monsters... You're pushing credibility a little bit, but it wasn't. It wasn't trying to make you go, okay, this is a completely plausible Godzilla movie. But you, you know what? Then, then either shit or get off the pot. Either make a monster movie with a little bit of human interaction, just to kind of show, you know, the human side of it, or make a good human story if you're going to dedicate that much of the movie to them. I, see, yeah. I didn't have a, I didn't have a yeah. problem with it because everything that the humans did was nothing. Even at right. the end, he doesn't defuse the bomb. The no, bomb right. still goes off. Actually, it, the bomb did... going off is what draws Godzilla yeah. Yeah. away from eating, you know, more, doing more damage. Or I guess one system. could be argued it's what, isn't it what wakes him back up, actually? And he was pretty much dead in, in the street. Uh, no, the, the Muto's coming back is what was going to No, no, he needs after, no, he's saying after the Muto fight. Yeah, at the end, bomb going off. Down, we almost think they're going to kill him off again. And... I, I tell you what, though, I, I've had more than one person say this to me. After uh, G kills the uh, the female Muto and he collapses, the first thought runs out, I'm too old for this shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you did kind of get I... that sense from the point, though. It's like, God damn it, I, you know, because it's like he's probably fought creatures like this over millions of years presumably or at least his species has so he's probably just like oh, i'm still dealing with these goddamn unit you know, mutated insects yeah but i, I but paul I, I totally can see where you're coming from if you're going to devote that much time to it you know uh make the human story compelling the difference i think is that i i wa i thought it was a compelling story because to me it reminded me a lot of there's essentially two kinds 
of uh, old school, we'll, we'll say uh, Showa Godzilla films, meaning films made between 1954 and 1974, as far as the human story. You've got certain films where the human story directly drives the plot. Okay? Mm-hmm. Gojira is like this. King Kong vs. Godzilla is like this. Monster Zero is like this. There's a few others. Then you've got some where the, uh, the human story is its own own thing it's its own animal and it's going on concurrently to the monster plot and sometimes they intersect one of my favorite godzilla films of all time is Ghidorah the three-headed monster from 1964 and that one is exactly like that the human story in that deals with wildly different things than what's going on with the monster story but they keep crossing over and to me that's the kind of sense i got here you know what's what brody is doing isn't directly impacting the story. What his wife is doing is not directly impacting the story, but what they're doing keeps getting them brought back involved. You know, Scott, you said that whatever he, or as your Scott or Hero said, that whatever he does, not, it doesn't affect anything because a bomb still goes off. A friend of mine said to me, he's like, well, you know, he was a, he was a uh, EOD expert, but he didn't get to defuse any bombs. I'm like, well, if he did defuse the bomb, wouldn't you have just complained that it was Chekhov's gun and that we knew he was going to defuse the bomb? I said the the fact that he's EOD gets him where he needs to be to drive the human story, but it's not set up in the way that oh he's EOD he's obviously going to just defuse the bomb when we need when we need it to. Well, I think they were saying no matter what we do, it's ineffectual. There was a review that somebody posted in a, a, like a classier, <laughs> you know, website newspaper type thing where it was more you know criticy, and they were talking about Godzilla being the first post-human monster movie you know where it's where when when it's all said and done it really is about the monsters and it's about how humans oh. are, are really don't factor into the equation well, I, like, I read much. another review that kind of resonated that kind of likened godzilla in this to like one of the old ones you know he's basically a god and even one of the characters well in the movie says you know he's a god and he's been around so long that basically I thought they obviously try to drive home the force of nature aspect with that, but I kind of like the I, I like thinking of Godzilla as kind of a Cthulhu mythos god well, in a way. You know, they also what's what's funny is that the the um, <laughs> you no know, I've seen a lot of a lot of critics you know comparing and contrasting this not only with uh, the you know the the Showa Godzilla films, but also the ones from the '90s to Heisei and then the Millennium films, and the one the films that these are most like are uh, Shisuke Kaneko's Gamera trilogy from the 90s. I mean, that, that, is, that, that is the film that is complete. These, those three films are the total inspiration <laughs> for this as far as the way Godzilla interacts with humanity. Because in those films, Gamera is the quote-unquote guardian of the universe, but he's the guardian of the Earth, not of humanity. There's a scene in Gamera 3 where we see Gamera fighting a Gauss where he's using his uh, his jets to spin around like a UFO because that's what flying turtles do, yeah. and, and he's and he's and he's burning people to death while he's doing it because he doesn't care about the people. What's important is fighting the Gauss. Uh, again, going back to Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. In in that film, Godzilla and Rodan, all they want to do is fight each other because they're alpha, they're they're kind of the alpha males. You know, they're the top predators of the mon- of the Earth monsters. Yeah. And that they have to be goaded into fighting King Ghidorah. Or if you want to go even earlier than that, King Kong versus Godzilla. Kong is ostensibly our hero, but he doesn't he don't care. I whatever, I do what I want. He just wants to fight Godzilla. And that's what that's what G is in Godzilla fourteen. He's the he's the apex predator. You know, he they, he so he is humanity's savior insofar as he's the lesser of two evils. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's yeah. he's using the enemy of our enemy. Yeah. Well, you know, and and uh, and and on on dinner for geeks, um, Scott Rifen kept saying, "Oh, it reminds me of ones from the '70s." I'm like, "No, not really," because if it was a one from the late show period from the '70s, meaning, uh, you know, Godzilla versus a smog monster, Godzilla versus Gigan, Godzilla versus Megalon, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, and Terror Mechagodzilla. Yeah, Godzilla, I mean, Godzilla is a superhero. Like, can you fight this monster for us, Big G? Yeah, I mean he's a he's a down and out superhero in those films to the point where you know he displays new superpowers and Godzilla's Hedra he can fly in Godzilla versus Mech Godzilla he turns himself into electromagnet you know in Godzilla versus Gigan he talks for crying out loud. <laughs> now I will say this in the Japanese version they put little word bubbles on the screen it's actually really funny. Yeah, but, I've seen the clip. <laughs> but whereas here again he's he's the you know the he's he's a, a, a monster that just happens to be not as nasty as the monsters he's fighting. So I mean, I said I I can understand where you're coming from, Scott, and and you know that I can see where that story has its weak points. It certainly does, you know. But the uh, I mean, per personally speaking, I I was very happy with it. But you know, again, uh, you know, not all of us were there to see the Lost World when it opened in 1925. So you know, we don't have that frame of reference, you know. Right. <laughs> Ouch. It was one of those things where I I. After I was watching, I was like, you know, the first three quarters of that was kind of slow. But then I started thinking of it, and I just kept thinking of the uh, different sequences. And there were just so many. Like, there's the, the, the train sequence, as little sense as it makes, is really creepy and well shot. Actually, that's a sequence that reminds me most of uh, Monsters, his first movie. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Where it relies on just, you know, sort of atmosphere and a nice, simple special effect to and just sound sort of, design. Sound and design sound had design. a lot to do with this movie. Yeah, too. there was an excellent sound design. <laughs> um, but, you know, and then remembering the scenes, I just love all the scenes of scale. And mm -hmm. having a consistently scaled Godzilla is pretty nice, too. All the monsters seem to be about the same size all the time, which was. Yeah. Which was always good. That, I think that's uh, one shooting, of the having the one muto attack at the airport was great, just for scale purposes. You got lots of big jets you can put them, you know, hovering and, over. Yeah, and, and there was stuff like when the when the mutos did their um, electromagnetic pulse attack, and jets just started falling out of the sky. Yeah. That's some pretty neat stuff to see. It's, I mean, we see actually lots of stuff like that in disaster movies, but they're usually Roland Emmerich and stuff, and this had a little extra, um, um, I don't know, class to it. I think he's Rabbitoss. definitely a better... I think, it had, I think it had a little more heart than most of Emmerich's yeah. films, and I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm a fan of Roland Emmerich. I love disaster movies. And and the concept of Godzilla as a living natural disaster is not a new one. I mean, right. that was used as early as Return of Godzilla in 1984. Where, I mean, in, in the American version of that, Raymond Byrd specifically compares him to a hurricane or an earthquake mm -hmm. uh, that, that's, that, that the Earth event uh, every now and then throws at us. But, you know, the, the thing about this film, again, was that I thought that uh, Edwards brought a lot of heart to the film. And it's one of those intangible qualities, you know, that I, I watch a lot of these summer blockbusters and, and, it, and it feels like uh, you're exhausted afterwards just because your senses have been assaulted. You know, whereas this, I felt energized because it was a, uh, you know, I felt like I was experiencing something and it was something that had, had meaning to it. And, and I know that that's kind of a wishy-washy way to say it, 
I recognize that, but I'm also in a in a weird position being as a you know I mean I've been a Godzilla fan for 30 years, so it's yeah. it's hard for me sometimes to 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 put into quantitative terms emotional feelings like that, you know. How sometimes how long I would think... you say Godzilla was on the screen in this movie? Godzilla was on screen maybe about 20 minutes. Also, so, maybe. And and this this is my problem with the movie in a nutshell. If you took that 20 minutes and made a highlight reel of that 20 minutes and that 20 minutes alone, I would never need to watch any other part of this movie. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And and you know that that's not an uncommon criticism of Daikaiju film in general. You know there exists supposedly, I've never been able to find it. There exists supposedly an edit of Godzilla 98 that removes 99.44% of the human story, just enough to get Zilla to New York and let him run around. And it's supposedly much, much better because it takes out the parts that we're not uh, as interested in seeing. So, I mean, I, I agree with you, Paul. It, it, totally. It, there's very few Daikaiju films that wouldn't be improved by taking out the human story. I can only and, think and, of a handful. And, Luke, you know, I, I concede to you, you know, you're far, a far bigger fan of this uh, genre than, than I could ever even consider being. It's not, it's not even a, a worth a discussion. But I still think if you're making the movie now, they should be less concerned about making an homage to, pr- to prior films, especially if you can point to those films and say, none of them have a good human element. They shouldn't be saying, well, so we don't need a good human element. Yeah. They should still be trying to make the best movie they can make now. And that's the problem. I, I think that was, if we go back to our Pacific Rim episode, that was my problem with that too. I loved the special effects. I loved everything that they did with the monsters and the robots and everything. But I kept saying that the story... The background story and the characters should have been more developed, and then it would have gone from being a good movie, in my opinion, to a great movie. Yeah, and, 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 it, and go ahead. And and in this case, it would have taken a movie that I felt was severely lacking and turned it into a good movie. And I and I think really what I think, Paul, it, it comes down to that you know your mileage may vary. You know, I enjoyed the human story, so I didn't feel it was a as much of a a drop in quality from the Daikaiju story, whereas you didn't like the human story, so that gulf, it's there, and it, and it becomes all the more... Yeah, it kills any forward movie. momentum you have, you know? Yeah, so I just basically sat back and waited for Godzilla to come back right. on the screen. And, and, and you know what? And that's... And, and that's that's why Daikaiju is the niche that it is. Because on, on the surface, you would think that giant monster movies should be a freaking no-brainer. But they're not. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're not. They're not a no-brainer. They're not a. They're not an instant hit. That we've had, in my opinion, two really good giant monster films in two years. I'm amazed this did better than Pacific Rim. It doesn't make a lot of logical it's got, sense. To well, me, it's got, well, it's got the it's name. Brand, but I mean, I, I was really skeptical on whether people under our age, to a certain extent, were really that into Godzilla anymore. I didn't yeah, know but, what the exposure is in U.S. Yeah. television. Well, the Godzilla's like Superman, though. Whether you know what yeah, the right. details or not, everybody knows Godzilla. Spits fire you know, out even, of its mouth. I guess and, I just saw yeah. him in denial about that. I just <laughs> want one of these properties still to just to be my little secret. Fuck yeah, you all. Yeah, yeah. See, and the and the problem so. the problem with Pacific Rim was 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 double because not only was the title something that let's face it in today's market, if it ain't a sequel, an adaptation, or a remake, nobody's. It's hard to get people to pay attention to it. And Pacific Rim was none of those things. Pacific Rim should have been called Giant Fighting Robots, yeah, just yeah. like the monster. <laughs> no, well, but I mean, but if they had if they had gone and gotten the 
Mazinger Z license, they still would be in the same boat. And that's the second problem. The things that Pacific Rim was homaging, the super robot anime and such, in this country was, a, was, was you know, obscure even for things at the time. You know, how many people remember, um, you know, Force 5 cartoons and watching Guy King or Dangard Ace? It's not a lot, not a big list. You know, there's only, I mean, unless you named it Voltron... There wasn't going to be a lot of name recognition for a super robot anime series. Yeah. Godzilla, on the other hand, I mean, little kids know Godzilla, older folks know Godzilla, everybody knows Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, here's one. But, here's one thing I wonder. This sort of a classic, you know, if it's in suits or not. You know, there's this sort of a classic Godzilla fighting thing. And why do I? I wonder why the American version of Godzilla just can't be. A classic Godzilla movie. Why there seems to, I'm not complaining actually with this movie. I definitely with um, the uh, Roland Emmerich version. Why why does it have to be a sort of different form? Because the the first one tried to ma- made it. I I thought it was a comedy with a with a Godzilla movie wrapped around it, and this one was a was a drama disaster movie. With a Godzilla was more like your classic Godzilla movie, yeah. just with less Godzilla. But why they didn't just do one with like you know twenty minutes of story and then just a lot of monster battles? Well, Pacific Rim that, did that. And yeah. yeah. Oh, that's true, and it, it's it, culture. It it's just the culture. Yeah, yeah and, and I, even. I think the thing is, if if you do do that with a Godzilla movie, you have the you have the awful chance of it becoming a movie like Godzilla versus Megalon, which was just a big raucous fight between three monsters and a giant robot. And it just um, came um, out. Sean, excuse me. A robot who programmed himself to okay. grow giant. Yes. yes okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jaguar, Jet Jaguar. His God, Jet was Jaguar. born that way. It was a choice. <laughs> yeah. He chose to be big. We all want to grow big. <laughs> yeah. Or you, or you, if you take it one step further, Sean, you get a movie like Super Monster Gamera. Yes. Oh. Where, yeah, where it's just, uh, hey, remember all those Gamera movies? Here's them all, all over again. Mm-hmm. With stock yeah. footage uh, cut against the Star Destroyer from Star Wars. <laughs> That's a shoot, by the way. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things that that the Roland Emmerich film and I, I kind of am buying into your hypothesis, Chris, that it was supposed to be a comedy because it, it didn't feel it like it had Simpsons. anything. Yeah, it had Terry Shearer in it, and you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I think it also failed because it was trying to sort of ape a Jurassic Park. There was so much of the last third of that film that is basically just Jurassic Park and you know what the oh what is it the with the uh, Madison Square, Square Garden. Garden. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it just. It, it, Roland Emmerich's films are decent modern day disaster films, but, you know, give me give me a good Godzilla film or give me a good Irwin Allen film, and I'll take that any day over Roland Emmerich. And, you know, Sean, you mentioned Jurassic Park, and Paul, you said earlier that you didn't think this deserved to be said in the same breath as Jaws. And I'll, and I'll agree with that because Jaws is one of the best films ever made. Just that's that's a real character. No, you can't you can't argue with. I mean, especially if, we're, especially if we're talking genre films, okay. But between Emmerich aping 
Jurassic Park and Edward's aping Jaws. All I have to say about that, if you're going to rip somebody off, rip off the best. Yeah. You know? I agree with that. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it, to take it as a case study, and let's look at Jaws for a moment. Why is Jaws the great movie that it is? Not only do you have the slow burn, but by the time everything happens, you, you love all the characters in there. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and you're totally immersed in them. Do, you know, it's one of the great scenes of all time. But when they're talking about the Indianapolis, isn't that really what draws you into the movie even more than the shark? Right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, I, and I think you're right. And I agree with you. It's saying you can't compare as much as I like to Godzilla. And admittedly, I'm more prone Okay, but as good as you can't compare it to the the the, the a legendary film like Jaws or even Jurassic Park for that matter, which to me I've always put on a similar level to Jaws, just in a kind of a different tone, you know. Whereas Jaws to me was much more of a uh, you know, especially in the seventies, a horror film. Jurassic Park was definitely an adventure. Yeah. Whereas and, this, and it's it's not it's not even fair to even to, it's not fair to Godzilla to do that because if no, if I, I were to list my top ten movies of all time, Jaws is in there. Right. Yeah. So, so, so you're going to take one of the top ten movies of all time. This new movie just came out and said, "Well, it doesn't live up to that, so it's no good." <laughs> <It's not good. laughs> well, but it does have it does it may not steal. Well, it takes ideas and uh, sort of visual cues from Jaws. the The idea of showing less and letting things build up was kind of done with the uh, the, the evolution of Godzilla in this movie. Yeah. So, if that's a way you can link it to Jaws, I would be understandable. But yes, I can understand definitely, Paul, that comparing the two films is kind of a misnomer. Uh, yeah. Jaws is is far superior to like pretty much any film ever made out there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, every time we have a round table from now on, it's going to be like, yeah, I like this one, but it's no Jaws. No All Jaws. Right. Yeah. So that's the thing is, we could use Jaws to trash any movie or to make any movie good yeah, yeah take, take elements from jaws it's no jaws but what is you know i tell you yeah but you know I, I will i think we can all say this this being two true freaks we can all agree this was a lot better than orca the killer whale <laughs> but that did have richard, richard harris. harris it had richard harris and and, and well will sampson as well but charlotte rambling see scott see scott uh alpha scott's not here to get pissed off at me for bringing up Orca. So. <laughs> <laughs> or Scott Prime, whatever we call him. <laughs> or, or or picking on the Roland Emmerich um, Godzilla, which he's a big fan of. Well, and, and you know, and, and, uh, and, and I... When you guys did that commentary, first I want to say that I really, really enjoyed your guys' commentary on that. I think you guys gave it a fair shake and pointed out the things that worked and the things that didn't, and I really did appreciate that. Uh, I had, I'm not going to lie, a laundry list of things that you guys I disagreed with or I thought you got completely wrong. I have saved that away, so when I cover Godzilla 98, I'll bring that up. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, and, but I think what's, what Scott was getting at at that is that, you know, it, it's what you want to get out of a film, you know? Yeah, if, he got if you're what he going wants in, out of that. Yeah, but, you know, and, and, uh, I, and I went to, to watch this and I really enjoyed the human aspect. I really enjoyed the monster aspect. I got to see it on opening night. I've, I've never gone to a movie on opening night before. The only reason I went on opening night is I was going to be out of town. I wasn't going to be able to see it. So it, the overall experience to me is one of the most memorable and enjoyable and positive film-going experiences of my life, especially my adult life. You know, the only other Godzilla films I'd ever seen in the big screen were Godzilla 98 and Godzilla 2000. And if anyone's heard my Godzilla 2000 episode, you remember the fat kid in front of me going, Dad! 
Dad. (laughs) I didn't think dad could be two syllables. I was wrong. (laughs) 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 That was in New York. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Gene, I forgot you were with us. Yeah, Yeah, how you doing, man? (laughs) I thought Gene... Well, let me let me get a few words in here. Yeah, yeah, the problem is that Luke had too much caffeine tonight. Uh, but I actually enjoyed the the story, the human story. Um, it could be because of where I'm at. I'm a father with a five year old daughter, so I was connecting a little bit with Ford. I I didn't buy him as a milkman, really, the way he was acting. But I bought him as a father, as a husband, as a son. And so, so, you know, I, I was there and I got to say the punch in the gut in the beginning with Brian Cranston, you know, with, with his, uh, his wife dying in front of him. I did not expect that, (laughs) that, that, that brought me into it more than anything really. Um, but you know, I, I didn't have a problem with the human story. You know, I, I wasn't falling asleep at any point during it, but then again, I was all all hyped, you know, (laughs) where when am I going to see the Godzilla? When am I going to see Godzilla? And then the reveal in the airport, perfect. <laughs> Just you, the camera went up and up and up <laughs> and up, and there he is. It's well, like Anna Nicole it. Smith and Naked Gun 33 and a third. Wazzing. Wow. Yeah, so I, I thought the human story was fine. Yeah, it wasn't Shakespeare, it wasn't Jaws, but for what it had to do, it was fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a movie now and that's gonna be the tagline. It's not Jaws, but <laughs> see, see that can be that can be basically the title or the subtitle for this one. Uh, it's not Jaws. So there you go. Or it's not Jaws <laughs> but dot dot Jaws. That's our new show. <laughs> that's, that's what our show. that's what the it's two true freaks movie but... review show yeah, the fecal it's flaw not jaws is coming <laughs> yeah, so that, that will be the show of the prolapse danis yeah i, I uh, would be the human story according to me <laughs> I, 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 i'm thinking you know just i i hate to to just nutshell this whole thing but it, it almost seems like we're not really disagreeing on anything here no, it's no, just no. a matter of your mileage may vary yeah, it, exactly. It, it, it comes down to expectations, really. I, I was expecting something of this level as far as the story goes. I think you may have had higher expectations, Paul, and that seems to be your downfall in a lot of cases. <laughs> you have high I'm expectations. Sorry. I'm sorry, I, I, I demand things to actually be good. <laughs> See, uh, Paul, you, you have high expectations, but you're on the Two True Freaks Network. Exactly. So that's about to fail. You're a living oh. contradiction. Yeah, I'm jumping ship. I'm going over to relatively geeky. <laughs> They've got professors over there. Yeah. yeah. I uh, maybe. I mean, I I definitely hear where Paul's coming from. I mean, it's, oh yeah. The human story is obviously. I mean, I guess you could say it's going to be assumed to be the weakest part of a Godzilla movie. Um, but Paul makes a damn good point that if it's the longest part of a Godzilla movie, you should probably step up your game. Yeah. And I guess maybe. I think we've you know we've got abused movie goer syndrome sometimes <laughs> that, that the writing for stuff I mean we have to remember too that Jaws in itself was I mean obviously had some awesome actors and some great you know um, everything music yeah I mean <laughs> good, great performances great writing but you have to wonder sometimes if the shark worked would we have gotten all those great 
performances yeah. necessarily because right. Jaws in itself was kind of a very happy accident. Yeah, it and was. it's almost like, wow, we really got to beef up the characters in this because we can't get the fucking shark to work and he ain't going to be on screen for 20 minutes. <laughs> well, that's not going to happen anymore. No, no, CG, and you don't, like... you know, they definitely didn't have to do that with Godzilla. But I mean, I'm just saying, yeah, the, the writing in general for a lot of these movies I think has suffered too. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive that you have See, a good effects movie or, you know, a good character. I'm, yeah. I'm going to you know argue what? that the writing is too good <laughs> on this movie. That what, <laughs> what might be what's yeah. what makes it a little boring in the front because it's almost kind of a different... It's it's almost like a different movie in itself. It's a, a drama with uh, over the backdrop of a disaster. Yeah. And... It's, I mean, there's, I've been hearing a lot of complaints that there's no subtext of, like, the original Godzilla, which is, was sort of playing off Hiroshima and stuff. But how can you do that now? Well, I mean, they had a tsunami and a nuclear disaster, you know, a nuclear plant that's walled off in this movie. Yeah, that's, pretty, that's pretty close to the bone. Oh, you know, Fukushima, what yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of too soon in some ways, you know. It is, and, and actually, the film has gotten a bit of flack from that. They claimed uh, it was being too close to it was Fukushima. In, it was in the treatment before Fukushima even happened. Right, and and that you know that's the way it goes. Sometimes it it, it just happened to work out. I mean, I, I at the time of Fukushima, I was working in the nuclear industry, yeah. so I heard all sorts of stuff from all sorts of people about that, and you know, it was like, well, it's too soon to do that, you know, and. Uh, you know, it's it, it's like you say, it was in the treatment before that. It's, I don't agree with it being too soon, but I can see how people would would see that. But well, you know, again, going back to you know the original uh, Gojira was 1954. You're talking less than 10 years after Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Well, also, I think you know? the original Godzilla. We sort of had the the. I mean, this was a brand new. You know, nuclear bombs were a brand new thing. Now we've been living with them for a couple generations. And now in this movie, they're kind of like this double-edged sword of destruction and usefulness in order to mitigate monster damage. So there's like a different subtext, but it's there, you know. I think he was, I think he might have overthought it a little bit and like the, the, the characters not being compelling were sort of, characters not being compelling in the same way that, that, um, Stanley Kubrick used to have non-compelling characters because he was sort of being omniscient with it and just like, look at this person's just a bug or, you know, a character or or whatever. And I think this movie had that going on. It's almost like, and Ang Lee didn't succeed, but Ang Lee's Hulk. (laughs) It was like, there's a Hulk (laughs) hidden in there somewhere, but it's an Ang Lee, like, drama thing going on. You know, it's a, it's a whole different movie. And then at the end of it, oh, the Hulk goes and smashes things around, and that's what we wanted to see. <laughs> yeah. But this did it successfully. It's very similar It's to that. And a good argument could be made that it wasn't necessary to have that much human story in it, you know. For well, when, and of- when did uh, production start on this movie? Act like actual shooting or pre-production. Well, when did when would they have been, you know, solidly into the pre-production? <sighs> about um, 
like as far as it being a feature and a, a you know and, and that probably about uh, eight two years to eighteen months ago. Okay, so to me, you know, one one of my biggest criticisms of this movie is that they sinfully underused Brian Cranston, who is, mm-hmm. I believe, a great actor. Yeah, and. I understand that it's ballsy to kill him off early, but the reason it's ballsy is because it's a really dangerous move. Yeah. And and I think it did not work out for me because I think they it, took yeah. their most compelling character and their most compelling actor and they said, you know what, let's get him off screen quickly. Well, could have definitely found more stuff. I mean, he could have essentially, you know, if um, Ken Watanabe, uh, if his character That's was so enmeshed in the plot about knowing about the mutos and stuff, I mean... Brian Cranston could have been the resident, you know, nuclear. Yeah, well, you, oh, you, you could have had the two of them in on the on the aircraft carrier yelling at each other. All yeah, story-wise. I mean that would have been interesting. <laughs> story wise, <laughs> I was story expecting wise, to see that. But. They could have totally. It wasn't necessary for Brian Cranston to die, in that it didn't motivate his son any differently, right, or anything, or you know, oh my, you know, so. Actually, I think it did motivate his son differently because it was still, oh, you know, if he was still alive, his it was still been, well, dad was right, but he still ruined my life. Whereas now he's got <laughs> the guilt true. of his father dying that he has to try and make up for. And they were building a whole thing where you could, t- you know, his father had lost his, his wife, you know, their mm-hmm. family had gotten you know, destroyed by a disaster and someone dying during it. And oh, wow, wow, trying, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then you had the exact, you know, scenario happening, happening again with his family. And, you know, you were wondering, are we going to see, you know, one of them losing each other in a sort of, you know, synergistic story thing of... Yeah. So they, and that's, that's ultimately one of the problems. Had they killed him off, I don't think I would have cared. Right, right. They, they, he, they, they didn't want that. Basically, they didn't want want mom or dad to die, so the kid wouldn't have the same experience. Mm-hmm. He, had. I think they were desperately trying to make you like him. Here, look. He, there's this kid on the train, and he's taking care of him. Oh, that was a great scene. I like that. <laughs> I like. I, I, it, it was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, see, I, just cynic. It, I mean, yeah. The <laughs> thing about it is. I hear diabetes makes you cranky. <laughs> it's first of all, it's diabetes. <laughs> no, see, I know English. You obviously haven't watched enough Wilfred Brimley. I've seen everything I need to see him in. I know in Cocoon, he was younger than Paul is now. I know that. Some would say. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's back that up a second. When he when he started, Wilfred Brimley, when he was filming Cocoon, was younger than I am now. The yes. character he was playing was not. <laughs> no, I'm saying physically he was younger than you are now. Hey, you want to take it outside? <laughs> oh boy, it's a point of contention. I'm certain Paul is dealing like, with every day now. It's like the movie it could go either way. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like. Yeah, Paul, you're looking way better than Wilford Brimley did when you <laughs> You got that going for you. You're in way better I, shape than Brimley was when he was your age. Yo, oh, man, I I do one one thing that's interesting that um, uh, this this may surprise some of you that I'm a conservative. I know, I know, it's weird. It comes no. out of left field or right Get field, out. as the case may be. But anyway, uh, I I got I saw a link on one of the conservative blogs I read talking about how uh, Godzilla as a film, makes a good 
anti-global warming argument. What? What? It, and it does. Oh, and, it, it's, and, it, they, and it comes from when uh, Dr. Serizawa says that, you know, man believes that he controls nature, but it is nature that controls man. And ultimately, that's what the, the theme for the monsters are in this film. You know, we, uh, we, we've said it several times here. The, you know, the, the military thinks that they have a plan and they can get it done and they can change the outcome. Nothing they do will work because nature is in charge of man. And no matter how great we feel we are, nothing we can do can truly fight nature. We you know? can mitigate it. We can at least put yeah. a sack full of eggs and prevent... Uh, <laughs> Well, we can, you know, we can, we can, we can attempt to predict an earthquake and get people out of the way. You know, we can, uh, uh, not to strike too close home to Sean, but we can see, we can try to predict a cyclonic wind when a tornado is forming and get everyone to safety. We mm -hmm. can't defeat nature. Nature will always lay the smacketh down upon us <laughs> when it wants to. And in this case, you know, nature will do what it's going to do. And the fact that Godzilla is a force of nature, no pun intended. So I, th I thought that was an interesting take on it as far as the global warming aspect, but it did make a good point as far as a thematic approach for the way, again, of, of nature versus man, which is something that is touched on a lot in, in Daikaiju films, you know, especially um, films with more, uh, more benevolent monsters. The original Mothra deals a lot with the idea of nature versus man, and then the Heisai Mothra films do the same thing. You know, uh, what we feel we can control we can't. When we tamper in aspects of, uh, of the natural world that we have no right to screw around with, when we create, say, a black hole gun, we get punished for creating our black hole gun <laughs> with a giant swarm of bugs that turns into a giant bug, and, and so on and so forth. And you're talking like Goldblum in Jurassic Park, too. Yeah. Uh, chaos theory. <laughs> and uh, who who could predict that uh, Doctor Sadler would jump out of the uh, the moving vehicle after me, and that I would be sitting here by by, by myself and ta talking, talking to myself? <laughs> <laughs> they need to make a movie putting Jeff Goldblum and Christopher Walken together. It would just <laughs> two guys going to have that ah, for ninety minutes. It'd be brilliant. Speech therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Goldblum. <laughs> and then their biggest challenge of all, Shatner. <laughs> if if he could only just kick both of them off, you know, a cliff into a lake of fire, that would be awesome. Oh, come Ooh, on. Sean's a little angry. You're a little hostile today. Sean. <laughs> sorry, sorry, still. Did you take your still... bitch pills today, Sean? I live with three women, two of them who could possibly at the same time be cycling together. So, yeah, sometimes... Uh, you got, you got bike riders in the family? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yes you, you are exactly. get in the sink eventually. You'll be... And then Sean, and then Sean will be, you know, releasing episodes of just one of the guys on a daily basis, just to escape his family. I <laughs> got a podcast. Just, Sorry. Podcast. <laughs> Remember the day. Two of them. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to the movie. For a second, Luke, I got a question for you. Go ahead. <laughs> Would this movie be improved by having two eight-inch tall singing women in it? Every yes. <laughs> <laughs> if if the, the the cosmos showed up in this film, are you including Mothra or just the cosmos? I was just thinking the cosmos, but you could throw Mothra in for the good. I don't. You know what? I you know, I, if I would do it like they did it in the original and put him in a nightclub, 
Because there's no more 60s idea than find two tiny miniature twin women on an island in the South Pacific, then let's put them in a nightclub, make them do two shows nightly. <laughs> yes. I, you know what? Uh, what's funny is that uh, there actually there's not much in the way of Easter eggs in this film. Dr. Serizawa's name is an obvious callback to Daisuke Serizawa, uh, from who the uh, scientist who spoilers created the oxygen destroyer in uh, the original uh, Gojira. Uh, the other the Kenny. The Kenny. Well, the other. No, that's not what I'm getting at, hero. The other yeah. one is when you go through uh, when they go through their house. Uh, the Brody house in uh, outside of the power plant when they break into the uh, the forbidden zone. Oh, there's a Mothra, yeah. Yeah, the, on the cage, they've got the, the moth in the cage, and the tape on it says Mothra. Yeah. Oh, I, I totally didn't notice that. that. I didn't see that. That's yeah. kind of cool. Now, the, the thing is, and, and uh, a lot of folks on the group have asked me, they're like, oh, are there any chance we're going to get another classic monster? And uh, the reason why we get original monsters in the U.S., and this goes back even to some of the unproduced Godzilla, American Godzilla films from the 80s and 90s. Uh, there was a 3D Godzilla film that was going to be done with stop motion in the 80s. Uh, there was another one that in the very early 90s where Godzilla was going to fight a genetically engineered monster called the Griffin. Uh, obviously, he fights the Mutos here in Godzilla the series, the cartoon based on the Godzilla 98. We never got any of the classic monsters. The reason for that is that Toho is they, – they had a revelation in the late 50s that, holy crap, if we give these monsters names and specific looks and personalities, we can market them. So the all of the, all of the pantheon of Godzilla monsters, so anything Toho has ever created, if you want to use one of them – you have to license each one individually. So if you want to use Godzilla and Rodan, you have to pay the licensing fee for Godzilla and Rodan. And from everything I've ever read, it's not like you get a significant discount on Rodan because he's not Godzilla. Right. So it's it's a lot of money yeah, to get these the classic monsters. I, for one, am fine with all original monsters from here on. I mean, I don't really need... I love the universe that they've built, and I'd just love to see the Mutos. Definitely sold that idea. Yeah. On me. they were they, those were good monsters. They had personality. They they were fun to watch. They had you know they they sold it. You know. Did so, anybody else find the egg sack a little disturbing? Uh, egg sacks are always disturbing. <laughs> it was, it was uh, pretty much a scene from Aliens, which was also yeah. a scene from yeah. what them. That yeah. giant ant movie, so it was very it's, alien. It's not uncommon with a little Cronenberg thrown in just around the edges, but that's you know. Uh, I want to say, Sean, I want to thank you for bringing up the movie Them, which has one of the greatest exchanges in cinematic history in it. Mm-hmm. When they go into the giant ant hills in the New Mexico desert, the uh, the 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 female scientist, the uh, the entomologist, she feels the wall. She goes, "It's amazing. They're held together with saliva." And the uh, army major goes, yeah, spits all oh, that's holding me together right now, too. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. I love the fact he said. Oh. <laughs> I will say this. I love the fact that um, all those mutos wanted to do was just bump uglies. That was that was the main driving force of them. Like, yeah. we got to breed, baby. And eat that's, nuclear radiation. That's bugs, right? Eat. I mean, that's the animal kingdom for you in a nutshell, mm-hmm. right there, right? Food and sex. I don't, yeah, and, and I think emphasis on the uglies part of the bumping uglies there, too, because yeah. nobody wants to see them get it on. No, I would have <laughs> watched it. <laughs> well, that's you, Hero, though. I mean, dude, that's no surprise. I'll watch now, anything. What do, you, what do you guys think 
for the future? Do you think the the next movie will sort of follow this formula and be an hour and a half of uh, warm up, or whether they'll use that as an excuse to we've we've built the world? Do you think it's going to be more giant monster fight oh, in the future? I mean, definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I yeah. I think the the next one is going to be we, we're either man is going to unearth or somehow create some kind of thing that is offensive to nature. You know, uh, half an hour in, Godzilla comes... I would say cue the Akira Ufukube, but he didn't do the music. Godzilla comes up out of the bay, and we're going to get a much more of an action film, I think, the second time out. And uh, going to what Paul had said, I think then you get to the point where you get now, you have to start escalating the scale of the battle. You know, where yeah. whereas this one we got, you know, some some epic fight. And I got to say, as much as I love the finishing move uh, use of the atomic breath, the uh, the way that he kills the male Muto by tail whipping him into the building. Oh, my God. Is, I jumped out of my seat. That is old school Showa Godzilla using the tail whip to great effect there. It's like, booyah, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I think we're going to we're going to be in, in store for something that's going to be even especially if they bring Edwards back and Edwards by all indications is coming back for the next one to the point that um, legendary and Warner said that they're going to work with his schedule to make sure he directs it. So, I mean, as guy that from everything I've ever, uh, every interview I've ever read with them, everything I've ever heard from him is, is a big old school Daikaiju fan. We're going to start getting things amped up. I think, yeah. I think you have to, I think once basically yeah. no pun intended, once you let the monster out of the cage, you can't put him back in again. You you know you can't slowly ramp it up again. No one's going to sit there through that waiting again. Yeah. Do you think this could ever? Do you think this they will they'll keep it serious or will ever get like a destroy all monsters or with the son of Godzilla blowing? Bubbles? I don't think they're going to go that goofy, but I guarantee you, like by the time they reach the critical mass for this franchise, it'll probably be just a giant monster fest. It'll eventually we'll get to something. I guess like Hero you used a perfect term, critical mass. Eventually, that that's like the, uh, you know, that that's got to be the end game. It's got to be a destroy all monsters scenario or something like Godzilla versus Destoroyah. Something's got either either you you throw everything you got, wave after wave of monsters at the problem, as we say, or you find the predator that is higher on the food chain. You know, uh, when when in 1990. Five, everyone said Toho was nuts for killing Godzilla, for introducing a monster powerful enough to actually kill the King of the Monsters. Now, that was done to take uh, Goji off the table for TriStar to use him, because remember, there were supposed to be three of those TriStar Godzilla films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when that didn't happen, uh, you know, 1998, TriStar Godzilla film comes out. 1999, Godzilla Not Millennium comes out. Just say it. So, yeah, I think I don't. I, don't, I mean, and we're, I don't think we'll get to the point where we're we're kind of the more ridiculous uh, entries, kind of like uh, Megalon is a good instance. I don't think we'll ever get as trippy as something like Godzilla versus a smog monster. I mean, gee, I certainly hope we don't get anything as as trippy and out there as that movie. <laughs> yeah, a good you know? sea monster, Godzilla versus Ebra would be a, a nice. But- little... I wouldn't have a problem with a South Seas adventure film like Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster or even Son of Godzilla. You know, Son of Godzilla has has a terrible, <laughs> terrible Godzilla suit in it. And it's got Minya or Manila, whatever we're supposed to call him in there. But taking on its own... Millie Vanilla, yeah. See, I'm old school. I call him Minya, but now apparently Toho <laughs> says we're supposed to call him Manila. How about Minya Vanilla? Minya Vanilla? 
but the, the it, other the other franchise isn't going anywhere anymore. Why can't we do Godzilla versus King Kong? Uh, mostly because of Turner, actually. Turner is as much as Toho is protective of Godzilla. Turner is of King Kong. Oh in 1992, uh, excuse me, 1991, we were supposed to get a remake of King Kong versus Godzilla. Uh, the it was going to be a big celebration because. Uh, it was supposed to come out in 1992, which would have been the 30th anniversary of King Kong vs. Godzilla. King Kong vs. Godzilla still the highest, most ticket sales ever for a Godzilla film in Japan was King Kong vs. Godzilla. There's a problem in King Kong vs. Godzilla is King Kong would be like, what? Wouldn't even come up to Godzilla's calf. Yeah. And, and... You just make him bigger. That's what they did in 62. <laughs> they just made him bigger and they gave him the, they let him get hit by lightning and get more powerful. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but what but in any event, Toho said, Oh, we're gonna do this. So they approached Turner. Turner wanted more money to license Kong than Toho had allotted for the entire budget of the film. Yeah. So Toho said, Okay, we we can play that game. We'll use Mechanicon from King Kong Escapes. We own him. <laughs> Turner said, if you use Mechanicong, because that's a a likeness of King Kong, we will sue you out of existence. And so we got uh, they brought in King Ghidorah, who they owned outright, and they can use without anybody questioning. And we got King Kong or Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. King Kong versus King Ghidorah would be an interesting movie too, but not <laughs> probably not going to happen. I don't see them being able to introduce like space monsters in this universe that they built. I mean, oh, why not? Sure. Well, I don't, you know, I don't I'm think there's anything they can't introduce. It's just, yeah. yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna go by the standards of for some reason in the middle of the ocean, I'll admit the ocean is huge. But in the middle of the ocean, there's been living this giant monster that comes out every time some weird freak of nature starts to terrorize the planet. Then, you know, having monsters come in from outer space or, you know, giant flying moths is not out of the realm of possibilities. Less cheesy, there would be a, you would see a nice CG meteor. Yeah. What looks like a rock coming towards Earth, and as it crumbles in the atmosphere, you'd see the shape, a hint of a burning some sort of whatever it is that the thing is well and that can work also as well because didn't uh recently what in in the soviet well not in the soviet but in russia we had a couple of asteroid impacts yeah, a yeah, while back yeah, so yeah, yeah that's something that yeah, they, if can they did it like well. that i we don't can, know if we can go the whole planet zero stuff i could see that i could so. see the previews right now the trailers with like you know the card dash cam and you see the meteor come down and then it sprouts wings and I'm all for it, yeah. Like a awesome. coming in on a meteorite, absolutely. Yeah. Or yeah, well I yeah. You could do that or you could do something like Megagiris where they bring them in from another dimension. Mm-hmm. You know, something that is sure. you know, it why not? I mean it, it's just as plausible as anything else. You know, again that pl- kinda like that plays Pacific into the Rim. whole Pacific Rim thing. Yeah. Yeah. Black hole guns. Well, let's just go all in and have Cthulhu show up. I say, I would watch that movie. I'm waiting. But I'm myself. I I think we're about to to final final words on it. Uh, I am personally just incredibly surprised and amazed that this movie's done so well, like amazingly well for being a slow burn. I liked it, but I'm very surprised. That it that it caught on with the masses, uh, and so kind of happy that we're gonna see what he comes up with next. Um, what about you, Scott Two Point Uh, don't know what else I can add to it. Um, just had a really good 
experience in the theater. I mean, and that's what you're looking for when you lay down your money, I suppose. So, um, as I said, satisfied me on pretty much all levels of what I wanted in a new Godzilla movie. So, uh, would I have done a couple things differently? Sure, always, always will. But you know, I'm not the one who gets paid to write these things. I <laughs> uh, love to see what Edwards does on on Star Wars uh, and the next Godzilla movie and anything else he wants to put well, his visual style into. Star Wars movie. Yeah, it's gonna be nuts. Um, so yeah, you know, tails up for me. Scott McAngerus says, "Go see it." And last words, hero. Uh, for your ultimate fate. Yeah, great fresh stat. Um, again, nitpicks here and there. Um, it's not going to be for everyone. But uh, I greatly enjoyed it, and uh, I am excited at what the future holds. All right, Dr. No, I'm not letting you go last this time. What's your... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say for, for, for all my negativity, if the sequel comes out in two years, unless I hear an overwhelming negative advance on it, I'll be watching it. I'll be ready to see it. I'm going to give it a chance that they're going to ramp up the action a little bit and, and maybe give me a better human story with it or give me no human story. I really couldn't care less about the human story in a Godzilla movie. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and just, but I'll, I'm, you know, I'll be, I'll be ready and will, ready, willing and able to give it another shot. But this one I found disappointing. Uh, I, I didn't think it was worth the trip to the movie theater for me personally. All right, Gene, what's your, uh... well, I have to say that the adult me is happy in the overall movie, the cinematography, the story, etc. The ten-year-old me loved the monster fight, so I'm happy all around. Happy through it and through. All right, Sean Engel. Like Farrell. <laughs> you know, I, Sean, you're the last one. Bring us. Yeah. No, we've still got Luke. Oh, that's or right. No, Luke will out. bring us up because <laughs> yeah, he is the ultimate out. authority. But, um, I had a yeah, plan. Uh, you know. Uh, I did enjoy it. Uh, it brought to mind, you know, the classic sort of feel of the Godzilla movies. I remember going to, you know, the theater in, in the 1970s and plopping down my, you know, like one buck to go see it and just having a good old popcorn filled time. Yeah, the human elements weren't as good. And I can definitely agree with Paul that it would have been better served with a better human element story. But... For what it was, I thought it was pretty good. My hope is this leads now to a wonderful Gamera movie because I want to see Gamera kicks some ass yeah, yeah. as well, and yeah, 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 and yeah. also you know that little tubby Kenny guy. I want to see him on the screen as well. <laughs> All right, Luke, we're gonna go out with the with the the ultimate authority <laughs> on Godzilla. Well, uh, all I can say is, like I said, I enjoyed the heck out of the movie. Um, I was totally satisfied watching it. It was just a great experience sitting in the theater watching it. You know, uh, just just to see Godzilla on the big screen and and have it be an, a new take on Godzilla and have it be an American Godzilla that was, to me, in line with what I was expecting from the film. It just, like I said, just delivered on all fronts. And I'm super psyched for what's coming in the future. I can't wait to see the movie again. Uh, I can't wait to get it on Blu-ray and watch it at the, watch it at home. You know, hell, I'm I'm even breaking uh, some of my rules about toy buying. 
uh, for for this film. Uh, you know, because I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I do like buying toys, but I try to limit the number of you know ninety dollar Japanese import toys I buy. This one might be getting a purchase. Um, and uh, you know, I I avoided as much I avoided as much about the story as I could. I went in as absolutely blank as I could, and I was just happy as a clam, and really enjoyed it, and really looking forward to what's coming next. Cool. Well, thanks everybody, and um, I'm thinking pretty soon a lot of us, if not most of us, and and more will be reconvened because we're planning. We've we've also had another good movie well i'm not gonna say good movie but another anticipated hotly anticipated nerd movie uh x-men uh days of future past come out so we're gonna try to do another round table on that asap so maybe i'll see a lot of you guys yeah that that's where wolverine goes back in time to kill the dorats that were left so they don't turn into king Ghidorah, right (laughs) yeah Yeah, i I need to see that it's (laughs) the one where he pushes uh kirk's girlfriend down the stairs (laughs) He puts the two little twins on each of his claws and has a barbecue. Yeah, yeah, and then and then he goes to this to the Lincoln Memorial and he's a monkey, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then that's coming up. Oh, what a summer! What a summer! <laughs> Good time to be. If you ain't listening to Two True Freaks, y'all better start. Yeah, although if if, if they they can't, they've already started. If they heard you say that, that's right. <laughs> so get. <laughs> So my mind is blowing. Basically, they have to be—they have to be pushers. They have to start get somebody else on it. First taste is free, and the rest of them are too. Yeah. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two.
You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.